0: Welcome to the Champions Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To learn more about Champions Church, visit GodsChampions.com.
1: Thank you, Father. Five years ago on March, in May of whatever five years ago, it may is, a couple walked through the door and we said hello at Champions for the first time, and we were just kind of drawn to this couple. I remember uh, after a few Sundays talking with talking with them here and there. I sensed the Lord just wanted me to do something, and uh, we had said bye, and he had walked out the church and walked that way with his family, and I drove around from the back, and I just sensed the Lord wanted me to. T- drive up to next to him and say, hey, Michael, just want you to know I believe in you. just want you to know I believe in you. It began a journey where the Lord, the Lord just began doing something in Michael's life, in his heart, and he got it from the moment he walked in the door, God was starting to work on his heart and his life. And um, he's done much. He's I say it like this right now. I told Kathy, I said, you know, Michael is 100 pounds lighter physically, and he's 5,000 pounds stronger in the spirit. I don't know if you knew that, but Michael lost over 100 pounds. Is a 100? 120 pounds. He's literally half the man he used to be. Not in the spirit. He's a powerhouse. And Last Sunday, we had the pleasure of installing him and his family, his ministers in this house. And today, we have a privilege of having Michael to speak the word today at Champions. So I want you to lift up a celebration as Michael comes. Amen.
0: Amen. You can stay standing. Sorry, I'm I'm gonna put you right back up. I felt to do this real quick, two things. I wanna honor in front of everybody. We come here, we've been coming here for five years, but just this morning, we're the worship team. It's not about them, anybody up here. They'll be the first ones to tell you, but the way they lead us into his presence. I'll take a minute and that's Rick, the team back there, the cameras, everybody's included with that. So I just want to lift up a shout, clap, and I want to honor them because without them, again, it's not about them. Without them, we don't see Jesus quite the same. And every Sunday, after him, after him, after him. And would we never take that for granted, that we can come in here and enter his gates and his glory as they do all this in labor. So worship team, we honor you. Sound team, we honor you. And one more, then you can sit down. Um, I do, I want to take a minute. um, It's a big deal for me to stand here. I I, I say that, and you'll hear it a few times. But I want to honor Pastor Nolan and Pastor Kathy. Um, he, He stole some of that, but ever since we came here, they believed in me. And I'll get into that in a minute. When I didn't believe in myself at all. We talk about digging the gold out of people. I don't know how they saw it or what they saw, but they dug and they loved me and my family since the first day. They've challenged me. They've encouraged me. They've made space for me, which is amazing. But the coolest thing about it is what I just mentioned. And Pastor Nolan and I have talked about this many times throughout the years. That's all great, but their one desire is the presence of Jesus. <laughs> I don't know how long you've been here, but that's the one thing that they are after. And it it's cool that we get to benefit, and I get to be up here, and my life can be changed. But they're not about, it's not about Pastor Nolan, it's not about Pastor Kathy, it's about Jesus being magnified and lifted up. So I want to honor you two, and love you guys very, very much. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you. So I say this a lot when I get up, maybe in transition or what, but we're in the midst of family. So I'm going to be real this morning, I'm going to be vulnerable, I'm going to be transparent. Um, Me being up here in this setting is new. This is my very first time sharing the message. I could probably speak prophetically to half this crowd, I've done that before. I could, you know, um, finances, communion, I've done all that and it's been so amazing. I've never done this before. So I'm giving you one of my points early and it's step out of the boat. So pastors talked about this over the years, again, whether it be in men's group, whether it be giving a message on finances, whether it be communion, Michael, in season and out of season, and I'll get to that too. So when pastor asked me last week, I didn't think about it very long at all, I said yes immediately. I did think of it a little bit after that, but I had already said yes. So who was not here last Sunday? Anybody not here? A few of you, okay. So last Sunday, pastor talked about this. My family and I were installed as leaders, lay pastors here. We were prayed for, prophesied over. I think hearing the words over my children was the highlight of that for me. Um, some things that we've already known, and, but to, to hear that declared was absolutely amazing. So last week for me personally was 20 years of culmination coming to a point. Not a full point, but a point. And that's what I want to talk to you about. This morning. So, again, after Pastor asked me last week, as soon as I got on my car, the Lord told me, Keep your dream alive. Keep your dream alive. I said, Okay. I think that's my message. So, you'll hear that a lot this morning. Keep your dream alive. I do want to be clear you're going to hear stories about me. This isn't about me. Again, my dream is not full, complete, manifest, manifested. But this is for everyone in the room that has laid down a dream that has said no to keeping your dream alive. Has anyone in here, like myself, have you laid down a dream? Have you given up on a dream? Or, others, has your dream just not come to pass yet? I'm thinking there's a lot in this room that one of those accompanies with. So before I dive in, I think this will be about five minutes, I'm going to give you a synopsis of my life journey, OK? Um, some of this may surprise you, may surprise my kids, um, but I'm gonna be honest, because I feel like what I have to share, you need the whole truth. When I talk at work, when I am talking with my team, I say, guys, there's only one way I have is honesty. I can't give you the other side, I can't fluff it. So I grew up in central New York, um, three older sisters, I'm the youngest, and there was word that I was spoiled, I can neither confirm nor deny that that happened, or still does. Um, that may have happened. Yes, that's why I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, is because I grew up in central New York. We'll also get to that in a minute. I was raised in a Methodist church. We, we went to church regularly. Um, had the, the hymnals and turned to this page, and we did that, and my grandpa would fall asleep in the pew, and it was awesome. But that's what I did for many, many years. I officially accepted the Lord at a um, Christian music festival, it was called Kingdom Bound. It was at an amusement park in western New York, and for uh, Noah Corbin, I don't think you can Google this or find a YouTube, but the original Christian rap artist was there. His name was Michael Peace. And he was amazing. Okay, we know a little Michael Peace, all right. So I got saved officially there. I had a T-shirt, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Actually, I, I forgot this in my notes. About 20, I don't know the math, I'd have to think about that. When we started ministering years after that, I remember seeing him. And just being like, dude, you don't know what you did to me at that concert in front of us. So it was just cool. I forgot that that kind of connection that we used to see him when we used to minister at a school in Rochester. So I accepted the Lord. Was still going to the Methodist church. Fast forward, you're going to hear that a couple times, to seventh grade. So it had been about a couple years. I found the wrong crowd pretty quickly with two different people. So seventh grade, younger than Ashland. I went to my first keg party. And I started using drugs at seventh grade. Um, I'd like to sit here and blame it on my two friends. But obviously, I'm the one that did it. Did they lead me there? Did they take me up some country road five miles up on a four-wheeler? Yes, they did. But I was there. And I said, please take me. I want to go. Seventh grade. When I think about that now, it just it gives me chills. But then thinking about what the Lord did. And I'll say that again. So that kind of happened, honestly, starting in seventh grade, throughout high school, in the beginning of college. I would never say I was addicted, but my friends and I, onto new friends, more recreational after that. We would do drugs, we would drink, we would have parties all the time. I would have parties at my house. We had a pond below my house when my um, parents would go away. All right, bring the keg up, let's go. And just have it at the house. I remember in high school, um, and again, these are things where you're like, Lord, I, I just thank you for protecting me. Being high, smoking marijuana, driving home, and this was cassette tapes, you guys, that these were cassettes in the car, and just playing worship. I did get pulled over once. I pulled out in front of a car my hometown, small little town. I wasn't um, way out of it, but enough, but nothing happened to me. I remember just saying, Lord, thank you. So it was always weird to me that I could be on the influence of drugs, but I would still put my worship in. I'm not condoning that. I'm not telling anybody to do that, please. That is not what I'm saying. It's just weird for me. So then I'm going to fast forward again to about the fall of 2000. So I'm at college, at a job, working full time through school, and I met some woman, and Justin, shout out to you, he's one of the only ones I've actually heard say this. He told me before that he knew he was going to marry Victoria the first time he saw her. I don't know if she agreed with that, but that's what he told me. Um, So when I saw Crystal at the store we worked at, I told my buddy, I'm going to marry her. Um, I'm not saying that was a word from the Lord, because I wasn't hearing from him at that point. But I said, I'm going to marry her. So we started to hang out, we worked together. Some of you heard this story, I was her boss, she was my boss. We learned ever that we're never gonna be each other's boss again. It was not fun. I'm not sure how we survived that part of life. Um, I'm a boss still, but definitely not uh, over Crystal. That definitely didn't work out so well. Um, We just started hanging out. Um, I think she tells, like, she was drawn because I was real. She did have lots of suitors after her at that point, um, but I was just real and I was honest. Um, At that point, around the same time, my grandfather had passed away, and he was, the spiritual patriarch of my family. And so I met Crystal. At that point, I was drinking regularly. I was cursing like a sailor. That's just who I was. Meet her, my grandpa dies, and it's just like this, a switch. I don't think I've said a a curse word since. I haven't had a drop of alcohol since. None of it. None of it. I've I've been around it a few with with workers. Yeah, not a desire, nothing. So Crystal and I start to talk. We start to date. We start to talk marriage. At Crystal's request at the time, it was kind of weird. I really appreciate this now. I would actually do the same. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit at a women's Bible study because it was the only thing I could find. But you got to do what you got to do, guys. If you need to, that's what you got to do. And uh, it's been with me ever since. So now, it's 2003. So Crystal and I get married. So yes, last month we hit 19 years marriage, praise the Lord. So with that, Crystal and I always knew, we always wanted to do full-time ministry together. We said it from that day, 2003. We knew we always wanted, and the key for us, not against other couples, we always knew we'd do it together. Doesn't mean we're always at the stage together, but it was always going to be, it was was a both thing. Our giftings are, we've got differences, there's some similarities, but we knew it was going to be together. So again, remember what I called this the, Lord, the, the title of the, the sermon he gave me, right? Keep your dream alive. So we were trained in the prophetic, loved it, years of pouring into the prophetic. Learned how to hear God's voice, learned how to share it, learned how to teach other people. I would share three Friday nights at School of the Spirit. We would go out with lead teams around our city. It was amazing. I went to Puerto Rico on a missions trip with my pastor speaking. I remember this, being at a line... Um, a huge auditorium, and just looking, and the line was further than I could see, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to need you right now, because I don't know about a word for every one of these people. But it happened. Amen. But at that same time, we kind of realized, and Crystal, as she typically is, could be the forerunner, and kind of said, Michael, I'm sensing just some things may not be completely right here. And some of it to do with our hearts. So I was I was the right-hand person. I was the go-to person. Um, Crystal wasn't at all those. She was pregnant at that time. At the very end, she was pregnant with Ashland. And our marriage at that point was suffering. At that point, what I started was to do was to put my vision and my calling above my marriage. And if I would hear another thing this morning, don't ever let that happen. Don't ever put your marriage, or don't put anything before your marriage except for the Lord himself. So, 7-7-2007, we went to the call with Lou Angle in Nashville. One of those days that will mark me forever. It was 105 degrees. We were fasting. Crystal was pregnant with Ashland. So she was not fasting. Um, I don't blame her. She went to be with her mom in Mississippi the next day. My sister and I went to a service. And the Lord told me, you're going to move to Nashville. He told me first. Because Crystal wanted to move. I was 100% against it. I wanted to be in New York. I, my family was there. I wanted to live and die in New York. So she knew that was going to take an act of God to get us out of New York. So the Lord tells me you're going to move to Nashville. Two months later, we're in Nashville. Crystal was seven months pregnant with Ashland. We had no insurance. No job. It was the, that sounds crazy right now. That was one of the easiest, most precious moments of our life. My life. There was no strain, no stress, it was just easy. So I went to Nashville thinking, you know, everyone else goes for country music, right? Like, no, I don't play a lick of music, I don't sing, you don't want any of that, right? To me, Nashville was going to mean dreams fulfilled. Everything coming together perfectly. We knew some leaders there, going to maybe speak prophetically more. That didn't happen for me. At all. Quickly realized... That wasn't the focus. I ended up getting a new job. And instead, I focused on work and performance. So I would travel for my work. I was 310 pounds at one point, as Pastor referenced. And that was when I I came here. I would travel for work. I would be away from the home for about a month at a time, eat nonstop. And that was me. I loved my job. I'm still there. Very different set of circumstances now. This led to unfulfilled hopes and dreams and me laying down my passions. I knew in New York that I was called to be in full time ministry with my wife, declare prophetically, and when I do that, I come alive. I've known that for a long time. But in Nashville, I laid it down. This led me, and Pastor referenced this last week, which was very cool. In Nashville, it was Central Time, so it was an hour behind. I would leave service early so I would not miss the start of the football game. Every Sunday in fall, I come in, sit in the back, worship, oop, I'm going to stop and get some lunch, too. So I'm going to leave about 11.30. Every Sunday in the fall. To say I was lukewarm is probably an understatement. But that was it. 2017, we moved to Florida. We put a thir- I work at a mall in, a, in off of I-4 in Orlando. We put a 30-mile radius around that mall. We didn't want to pay tolls. Praise the Lord, still don't want to. We went to Claremont, Apopka, St. Cloud, and we went to Winterhaven. Not really sure why we went in Winterhaven, right? So we started attending Champions in May of 2017. My mother-in-law, Claudette, is down front, and I always tell this, that she found this place first. If it wasn't for Claudette, I think we would probably be here. The Lord probably would have done it. But it might have been a lot longer and delayed it. So shout out to my mother-in-law. Also, she has been my biggest supporter and fan for as long as I've known my mother-in-law. I have to tell this. Crystal and I were engaged at one point. She broke up with me. Not fun. Claudette still met me for lunch. And still hung out with me. She believed in me that much then, and she believes in me that much now. Which is super cool. mate. I love you. <laughs> so early, And Pastor said this, early on attending Champions, he did. He told me he believed in me. I mentioned that earlier. I was still in the back row, but I attended men's group, prayer meetings, anything that I could do at that point. And then the year later was 2018, is when my life changed forever. Is when I fully cemented and learned, not in my heart head but my heart, about my identity and who I was. That's when everything changed. I began to think and act differently. My priorities began to change. Pastor asked me to pray in men's group at that point. That was a big deal. And it is a big deal. He asked me again, could you say something during offering? Okay. Can you say something during after worship transition? Okay, I remember that first time like it was yesterday. So last fast forward to last week, being installed as leaders, a few thoughts from our five years. Be faithful. Be available. Don't detest the day of small beginnings. Bloom where you're planted. And most importantly, pursue Jesus. Make him your number one priority. So does everybody have my journey down? There may be a quiz at the end about questions on that. All right. So now that you know that, remember the message, keep your dream alive. The dream of being in full-time ministry, and again, it's in the works. I believe one day we will be in full-time ministry and that will be our job. I believe that with all my heart. But that's a 20-year process for me. What started and manifested fully more last week. So I have for you five keys to keep your dream alive. There's going to be five of them. The first key, which I think is I think beginning and end, first and the last are the most important. They're all practical. But for me, the first one leads into the rest. Key to keep your dream alive is identity. Pastor, I could speak a whole message on this. Maybe next time I will. All on identity. Ephesians 1, 4 through 7, out of the Passion Translation and in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe because of his great love he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained sorry hold on unstained innocence for it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with jesus the anointed one so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love He has for the beloved Jesus he has for us and this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure since we are now joined to Christ we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood the total cancellation of our sins all because of the cascading riches of his grace i want to highlight a few things pastor talks about this a lot as far as adoption when you're adopted you're chosen your hands selected you're deemed valuable We as sons and daughters of God, we have been chosen to be adopted by our father. This part, I want you to close your eyes and think about this for a quick second. Read this part. The same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for you. One more time. The same love he has for the beloved Jesus, he has for us. Does that not blow your mind a little bit? Wow. No matter what you've done, how bad you screwed up, whether your parents meant to have you, whatever you could say, he still has the same love for you as his beloved Jesus. Is that not amazing or what? Treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins. As adopted sons and daughters of God, our sins have been forgiven. We have been washed clean and made whole by Jesus. We can rest in the finished work of Jesus. Sins are as far as from the east as from the west. Unless we bring them up, they're gone. Unless we bring them up, Lord says, what are you talking about? I have no clue. I've forgotten about it. Amen. Romans 8, 15. The spirit you rece- receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption. To sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. As I mentioned previously, when I moved to Florida and I really learned and accepted my identity in Christ, I could pick that dream back up. I could keep that alive, knowing whose I was. With relation to my career, my love for sports, even ministry being trained, I had a performance mentality. I believed I had to perform a certain way. I had to achieve the specific result for the Lord to love me, to choose me, to accept me. I had to strive. But I tell you this right now, we do not have to strive for his love. We can rest that he's already done the work and that we can accept that amazing gift of salvation and adoption. Can I tell you this? We can do nothing for the Lord to love us more right now. You can't do anything more to have him love you anymore. And the same thing, you can do nothing to have him love you any less. The father loves you completely right now, perfectly. And someone hear this, just the way you are. Not like the person on your left, the right. He made you just the way you are and he loves you perfectly. Someone else needs to hear this, and he's for you, not against you. Things may not look that in the natural, and you're saying, Michael, I've got A, B, C, and D. He's for you, he's not against you. And I felt as preparing this, I felt like the Lord really wanted me to add this part. The Lord will not change how he feels about you, but I want to be clear that doesn't mean a license to do what we want, especially in this day. Sin's a big deal, not listening to him. Being out of his will. When our identity is in Christ, it's not an obligation. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to do that. It's not, oh, I have a no list. I have a yes list. I don't focus on the no, what I'm not supposed to do. I focus on him. That other stuff, I don't, I don't think about drinking. Sw- I don't think about any of that anymore. It's, it's so far removed from me, I don't even remember it. Because of him. So I want to be clear. Identity is in Christ, but that does not mean, let me do this. And I'll get into this in a minute. You're going you're gonna to fail. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But it's an attitude. If you're in constant sin, that's what he wants to take you out of. He's more than that. You're more than that. Our identities in Christ are a good pleasure to follow him and obey him. Because we love him and we recognize how he saved us and made us whole. Second key. To keep your dream alive, choose your circle wisely. So you can can take my 7th grade story all the way to right now. Be wise about who you associate with, who you share your dreams with, Who who are you doing life with. Are you lifting others up or are you being lifted down? Are you being dragged down by others' drama, difficulties and pain? Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk in the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I said that when I was in seventh grade. I can't blame that on my friends. They didn't help, but I walked right behind them. I cannot blame that. Oh, I would have been. It's all their fault. It's all yours. No, I did it. I drank the beer. I smoked the joint. I did it. It was me. I want to be clear, it's not that I, we are better than anybody. It's not that, oh, I don't associate with them, I'm, 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 look at me, I'm better. No, 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 that's not it. But we need to be, have ones in our lives that speak life into us, encourage us. Even hold us accountable. A true circle of friendship. I've got friends now, they're actually family. We do life together. Games, sports, pray. And we're aligning together under the name of Jesus. And that's what it's ultimately about. So choose your circle wisely. Number three. Remember I told you the first one was going to be the longest. (laughs) Number three. Be prepared, not perfect. So I've been preparing for this day for a long time. So I've had a note section in my phone. Pastor mentioned, I think we've talked probably almost a year ago about some time, some way, you know, Preaching, sharing a message. I, but I knew that long before here, I knew it was going to happen. Just was when. But I've had a note section in my phone. I've got message topics. I've got bullets underneath it. What I knew, life's messages being prepared. I write down, I'll be going at work. I'll be driving home. I'll write down words that the Lord gives me. I may not share those for months at a time. I know that happened a couple weeks ago. The Lord gave me a, a word months ago. And he said, Michael, remember that word? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, now's the time. Okay? I'll get, a, I'll get a, a word of knowledge. I may not share it. I may not share it out here. I may not share it somewhere else. I'll hold on to it until the Lord says, but that's being prepared. Maybe you believe you're called to preach or teach. Are you spending time in the Word, seeking revelation from the Lord? Are you preparing potential messages now? Are you speaking in front of other people whenever you can? Maybe it's a couple people. That's practice. Maybe you feel called to start a new business. Maybe that's your dream. Are you asking the Lord for wisdom, for finances, ideas, connections, and mentors? Here's one. I felt felt something on this one, so there may be a few of you in the room. Maybe your dream is to get married. Are you focusing on the Lord and not a potential spouse? Are you studying successful marriages, being mentored by someone who is currently married? Are you running after God? And your God-given calling. And seeing who's keeping up with you. We shared this with the young adults. Crystal and I learned this after we were married. I feel like we hit that pretty well, though. Coolest wisdom was run after the Lord full force. Eyes on him. And you say, I think I might be ready for a spouse. Look to your left. Who's running the same speed with you? Who's keeping up with you? Versus, oh, hey, dude, I want to get married. Come on, come on, come on. No, who's right here? Who's aligned even before you say I do? You're right here aligned, ready to go. I know enough issues. And Crystal and I have been open. She's a little more open than I am. Marriage is hard, guys. This isn't a marriage sermon. Marriage is hard. Marriage is very difficult. And we've been on the same page since day one. And it's still hard. So that is a little nugget for some of you. Don't look behind. Look to your left or right who's at your same speed. But that takes you walking in your, the will of the Lord at that moment. Amen? 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. I mentioned this earlier. Pastors talked about it for me personally. Michael, be ready in season out of season. When I was trained prophetically, and I'm not endorsing this 100%, it helped me and worked for me. My pastor would say, Michael, get a word. Deliver. Okay. All right. I didn't have a no. Yes. Okay. Here we go. I learned that way. I won't teach that way now, but I learned that way. You may not be called to preach, but you can still be ready in season and out of season. But the Lord asks you to begin to move towards your dreams, your calling, and you're not sitting on the couch waiting for something to be dropped on your lap. I believe the Lord expects us to be prepared to be able to walk in our dreams. He does not expect us to be perfect. Micah 7.8, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. You will make mistakes. In case you haven't known that yet, on the way to your dreams, keeping them alive, your calling, you will make mistakes. The key is getting back up. Not staying on the ground, not wallowing, not crying, complaining, getting back up. Lord, thank you. And the cool thing is, like with me, he never gives up on us. He never gives up on us. All right, we're on number four. Number one was identity. Number two is choose your circle wisely. Three is be prepared, not perfect. Number four, I mentioned it earlier, step out of the boat. Your dream, if it's something you can do, easy, nothing, that probably isn't a full dream from the Lord. Like I'm doing this morning, stepping out of my comfort zone, taking risks. Your dreams will not be alive or fulfilled if you're passive, lazy, or unwilling to take chances. Your dreams will not be handed to you on a silver platter. That's for sure. You have to move to enter your promised land. You cannot sit and expect it to be given to you, handed to you. We've all heard this many times. Faith is spelled risk. You have to take a risk. You have to believe. Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. As you step out of the boat, you must continually say yes to the Lord. Day by day, moment by moment, signing up again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord. Let your will be done. Let my focus be on you. As you step out of the boat, walking towards your dreams, keep your eyes on the Father. You will not sink. You may feel like you're falling. You may feel like you're going under a little bit outside that boat. He will not let you sink. He will be there for you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Focus on the Lord leads me to the last one. You guys heard five and thought it was going to be really long, didn't you? Number five, and I do believe number one, identity. But this one, they're tied together. How to keep your dream alive? Intimacy with Jesus. Again, for me, I couldn't fully know what it meant to be intimate with Jesus until I knew that he loved me as His son. So again, it's not one before the other, it's both. I do not believe we will see our dreams fulfilled without partnership, communion, and relationship with Jesus. Do you have an intimate relationship with the one who created you? The only one who is worthy. We sang about him this morning. The one who gave his life for you, Jesus. Do you know him? Do you stop and listen to him? Do you spend time with him? Do you love him? Or is he just someone that you come and see Sunday morning, and you're about to say goodbye and I'll see you again next Sunday. Our dreams originate from the Father. He is the dream giver. Is he our focus, is he our source? When I was in Nashville, my dream was work and I poured everything into it. I wanted to be a district manager, I wanted to do this. I did everything I could do to make that happen. I was so unhappy. I was so unhealthy. The bills were even horrible then. It was even worse. So when I was watching football, they were absolutely disgraced. So it was a really bad thing. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze, On the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple are we after the one thing even more than our dreams Jesus must be our ultimate desire because he is worthy of everything you may say Michael you just talked for however minutes about dreams I'm not discrediting that I'm not discrediting everything I just told you but if your dream is more important than Jesus we have it backwards Dreams are important and they are typically from the Lord. But dreams are not more important than Jesus. Knowing him and being found in him. Giving your life for the sake of his great name. To see him receive all the honor and all the glory. And then your dreams will be fulfilled. Because he's the ultimate dream. But as you put your focus, your attention on him, everything else will line up. So again, identity, every one of you in here, I want you to know this when you walk out the door. You are a son. You are a daughter. Nothing you did last night, nothing you're going to do tomorrow is going to change that. Rest that you're chosen. That He has a plan and a calling, a dream for every one of you. If you don't know yet what your dream is, What gets your heart? When I started to speak prophetically and train people prophetically, I knew that was my dream. My heart became alive. I became alive. I knew it. When I'm up here praying for people, I'm alive. I know that's my dream. What is your dream, guys? What does the Lord put on your heart? Pastor Kathy mentioned earlier Are we ready? Are we ready to step out in our calling? Are we ready to do what the Lord's asked us to do? Each one of us in this room is equipped, is gifted for what the Lord's asked you to do. Choose your circle wisely. There's a preparation phase, guys. Be prepared, not perfect. You're never 100% prepared to to be married. You're never 100% prepared to be parents. You can be prepared, you're just not going to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect to land in your dreams, your calling. Step out of the boat. And intimacy with Jesus. So as I finish this message, I believe the Lord has spoken several of you in the room, several different things. I know this. He wants dreams to be awakened this morning. Dreams to come alive. You could have been me. You could be me right now. And no offense to the back row, David, it's not you. You could be in the back row waiting to leave because the game's on. Because lunch, it's lunchtime, whatever it is. You could still be in any row. It doesn't matter where you're sitting, obviously, amen, right? You've given up your dream. You've laid it down. You've made something else more of a focus. He wants to keep your dream alive this morning. Do you know the God who is the dream giver? You may be here this morning and said, Michael, I've never thought of it that way. I don't fully know him, I don't fully trust that he could give me a dream or that I'm a son or a daughter. That could be you this morning and that could change before you leave this room. Maybe you know the Lord, but like me, your identity was in work. Maybe it's in work. Maybe it's in performance. Maybe it's something else. If your identity is not in Jesus, he wants to change that over you this morning. He wants you again to leave knowing I'm never going to be the same. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm going to walk from victory. I'm not going to strive towards victory. Jesus already won. pastor said it. We're on the winning team. Guys, we can't lose. We cannot lose. You can do what I did and put yourself out of the game, though. You can sit on the sideline, but you cannot lose. The Lord wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to restore you. Touch you and help you fulfill the destiny he put inside of you. So this morning when I got here, they were practicing and pastor went in this song. I asked him to sing this, to play this song. I've been playing it in my house all week long. So when I heard pastor say this, I was like, okay, this is the Lord. It's called pour my love. And you're saying, Michael, it's about dreams. It's about dreams. But it's about pouring your love at the feet of Jesus and seeing that be your number one desire, that one thing, and then see what he does with your dream. So if that's you, if anything that I just mentioned resonated with you, if everybody could stand, actually, please, while we, if everybody could stand. If any of that resonated with you, you don't have a dream, but you want one. I want you to come down front. If you say, Michael, I am not firm in my heart of my identity of who I am as a son or daughter, I want you to come down front. Or you've never accepted, you've never met the dream giver. You've never asked Jesus into your heart so he can give you a dream. If you've never done that, I want you to come down front. And again, lastly, if you've laid it down. If you said, you know what, Michael, work's more important, this is more important, I'm going to lay my dream down. He wants to help you. Pick it back up this morning. So if that's you, I want you you to come front. And is it okay to play? And as pastor sings this, I just, where you're at, whatever you're doing. I want this to be a posture of your heart. That whether you're coming up front or not, that you would pour your heart out before the Lord this morning. guys, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. So Lord, I just ask that you would have your way this morning in every heart. Lord, you would be glorified. Father, I thank you that you're the dream giver. I thank you that you speak life and you speak identity over us. That you care about our every need and that you're faithful, you are a faithful, faithful father. We love you and we adore you. Father, we pick up our dreams. Would you put faith in us to dream again, to dream your dreams, to be your hands and feet, Jesus. Would you be glorified this morning. Would you receive all the glory and honor as we pour out at your feet in Jesus' name.
2: I don't know how
1: to say exactly how I feel, and I can't begin to tell you what your love has meant.
2: I'm lost for words, but he's there.
1: To show the passion in my heart, can I express how
2: truly great I think you are, your my dearest friend? Lord, this is my desire. To pour my love on you Like oil upon your feet And like wine for you to drink Like water from my heart Oh, I pour my love on you And with praises like perfume Oh, I love his mind Every drop is gone. Oh, I pour my love like oil upon your feet and like wine, blue to drink, like water from my mouth. Oh, I pour my love on you and pray.
1: building this morning, just all over this room, let's just lift our hands to the Lord. Say, Father, whatever you want of me, I'll do it. Whatever you say, I open my ears like never before to walk in intimacy with you. Father, take me on a journey that, Father, is unexpected. But, Lord, it's, it's by your guidance, it's by your direction. I'll go and I'll do what you want me to do. Father, I, I give you control of my heart. I give you control of my life. And I trust you completely. Father, I'll step out in boldness. I'll step out of the boat. I'll step into purposes and plans that you have for me. because I love you, and I trust you. I love you, and I trust you. So, Father, today I recommit my life, my all to you. I pour my love on you, God. I pour my love on you, for you've poured your love upon me.
0: Thanks for listening to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe for more content each week. If you'd like to learn how you can partner with us, visit godschampions.com.